our digital camera buyer's guide, an important announcement from Apple on iTunes 4.9, email from you, and more on this edition of the Tech Wizard Podcast, Episode 4. Stay tuned. This is the Tech Wizard Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. This is George Summers, the Tech Wizard from the Tech Wizard Podcast. Uh, it is warming up here in California. We've got some exciting things in store for you on this edition of the Tech Wizard Podcast. Uh, plus a musical surprise I didn't mention in the intro, so you'll, uh, I think, appreciate that. Um, Alright, uh, first of all, um, welcome back. Um, my contact info, I always give the contact info at the top of the show, is thetechwizard at gmail.com or go to my website at thetechwizard.blogspot.com and you can find out how to subscribe to my new email list where I announce uh, when the episodes are coming out. Uh, plus there's an even easier way to get them, but that's one way that you can find out when the, the episodes are are released. Alright. Um, I had a, a response from, from Roger at, um, from audiblefaith.com. Uh, he happens to be a friend of mine and listened to the, to the podcast. He also is in the music industry. And uh, so if you're interested in uh, what he might have to offer, visit uh, audiblefaith.com on the web. Music with meaning. Uh, he emailed me a very nice email. He listened to, the, to uh, episode number three. And he uh, had some nice things to say about the show, and I appreciate that. And he appreciated the fact that I was incorporating the kids into... Uh, uh, the show, and I appreciate those kind, kind comments. He did have a few comments uh, to uh, correct me on, and I uh, encourage that because I want to get the information right. I had looked up this information on the web when I was talking about uh, compression and MP3s and what that all meant in episode three. Um, he had some clarification for me that I wanted to bring to your attention, and I'm just. Uh, I'm going to read you an excerpt from his email. It says, When you discuss compression, you discuss the algorithms used for graphics and video, but referenced it as being comparable to MP3 and other audio codecs. MP3 compression is psychoacoustic. I'm not sure what that means, Roger, but he goes on to explain, It is not like image or video compression where similar components are utilized for compression meaning, uh, I guess meaning taken out, as I had described. Uh, he says, MP3 actually removes audio data that human ears do not perceive well. Uh, he said, you also referenced MP3 as a lossless algorithm. Uh, 
and he corrects me in saying that the MP3 is a lossy algorithm. And if you're not sure what those terms means, you can refer to episode three on that. But it refers to the the more compression do you have, how does that affect the quality of the actual uh, uh, file itself? And he he says that the lossy algorithm. Uh, MP3, rather, is definitely a lossy algorithm, meaning that it does suffer with further compression. I'm sorry I got that wrong. I got uh, my information uh, mixed up off the web. One more thing he points out, and I think I mentioned this in the podcast, but I do want to be clear on that. When we were talking about memory size in Episode 3, uh, I said, as for example purposes, for the matter of discussion, that a kilobyte was 1,000 bytes. Well, it actually is 1,024 bytes. And I realized that's a, you know, for the matter of, of uh, discussion, it was just easier to use 1,000. I've seen that done before, uh, but he reminds me that it actually is... Uh, 1,024 bytes is equal to a kilobyte, and therefore also 1,024 kilobytes is, is equal to a megabyte, and 1,024 megabytes is equal to a gigabyte. So just so, to be clear on this, um, I used 1,000 as my figure um, because of the uh, pre- prefixes kilo, mega, and giga. Uh, Meaning, which means you're increasing by uh, or multiplying by a thousand, I should say. Um, so anyway, wanted to uh, bring that to your attention. Yes, I I did mention that on the podcast, but it is also something that uh, I want to make clear. I was just for discussion purposes using one thousand as my number, not one thousand twenty-four. So, th- but thank you, Roger, for your kind words. And uh, continue, uh, folks, to send in your comments and questions so that we can all make this a really good, informative podcast and we can all learn from um, the discussions here, including myself. I did not uh, know as much about compression before I did the last uh, podcast. I did some research, but apparently I needed to do a little bit more. So thank you, Roger, for uh, correcting me. All right, those of you who are on my uh, email list for this podcast, and if you are not a member, I encourage you to subscribe so that you can get information uh, about the podcast and also find out when new episodes are, are released and available for download. But it, And so if you are on that list, you already know what I'm about to say. If you're not, this may be new to you. iTunes are... Apple, rather, has has released iTunes 4.9. Now, they promised that 4.9 would have support for podcasting, which is exactly what you're listening to um, through your speakers or headphones right now. It is a podcast. And you can now, through the iTunes interface, download, search for, and find podcasts to download individually each episode, or you can actually subscribe to the podcasts and get them automatically as they are released. So you, next time you go into your iTunes, you may find another uh, podcast for
from your favorite uh, uh, podcasting source. And so we appreciate that Apple has incorporated this into their music player. Um, I like iTunes a lot. I realize it's not for everybody, but for most people, I think it really is a wonderful place to play your MP3s, to uh, buy music through the iTunes Music Store, and now you can download podcasts. Now, my podcast, the Tech Wizard podcast, is not currently available on their directory. Um, I'm working to uh, get that on their directory as soon as possible so that you can uh, subscribe to the podcast and get the podcast automatically as soon as they are uh, available. And so that's a great way to uh, get that. You don't have to wait for the email that I send out on the group list uh, to find out when a new episode is available. So I've used it for a couple of things. Um, one of my favorite podcasts is uh, the Twit Podcast. It's a funny name, but it's This Week in Tech. It's a wonderful uh, program from people that I used to watch on the G4 Tech TV network that are no longer there because they've made some programming changes. That podcast is incredibly difficult to download because of the volume of, of uh, people who are requesting that download. So up till now, actually, I have been unable to get those podcasts without having to download them individually from a variety of sources. Uh, but I did use uh, iTunes to subscribe to that, and uh, I'm happy with uh, the speed, and I got I, I got my podcast right away, and I am just a very happy camper right now. This is very exciting for me. This iTunes 4.9. I hope you will go to Apple's website at apple.com, go to the iTunes tab, and download iTunes 4.9. There are literally thousands, over 8,000 podcasts in a variety of topics of interest that are available. People just like me who love to talk about things that interest them and, uh, um, people who are even more knowledgeable than I am on uh, su- on many subjects uh, are putting out their podcasts, and I have found it a great way to keep up with with technology news and find out more about technology myself. But if you have other interests, um, crafting, um, if you like listening to uh, ESPN has a podcast. Um, uh, NPR has a podcast. Apple has its own iTunes podcast when they release new um, uh, songs on their iTunes music store. They put out a podcast to give you a, uh, a highlight of those and uh, to feature new, new releases. Um, so there are just thousands and Professionals are doing this. Amateurs are doing this. It really is a great medium, uh, and we encourage you to check that out through the through the iTunes. When this po- podcast, the Tech Wizard podcast, is available on iTunes, I will definitely let you know so that you can subscribe via iTunes to the uh, to the podcast. Previously, you would have had to download a, a podcasting client like iPodder, iPodder X, um, 
Uh, Doppler Radio is one of my favorites. There are quite a few out there, and their job is just to subscribe you to these podcasts, which is free, by the way, and at on at regular intervals go out to the web and go see if there's a new podcast because some of these podcasts are released daily some of them are released weekly uh, my podcast I should mention is currently uh, about two times a, w- a month um, I may increase that to three times a month once I get my my groove on <laughs> as it as it is um, and uh, learn a few more tips and tricks about this whole podcasting thing. But I wanted to just do it. As my, Nike says, I just do it. I took their advice. Um, Alright, so uh, I will uh, be releasing new podcasts. Hopefully hopefully I'll get it up to three a month. I'm not sure if I can handle the, the time commitment of a weekly release, but if I can work that up, that would be ideal, I think, uh, for me and this podcast. All right. I mentioned an email from, from Roger. If you want to get a hold of me uh, and you want, you can send me a, an email or you can actually um, send and record. If you want to record yourself into the computer and send me an MP3 file, that'd be, that'd be great, and I may include that on the podcast so that all can hear. Um, your questions are welcome, and I will cover them as best I can, and if I don't know the answers, I will find out, because others are probably wanting to know and needing to know, and I need to know what you guys are interested in. This podcast is for... Uh, geeks and non-geeks alike. I'm trying to explain these real technologies for real people. Uh, technologies that can really enhance your lives. That's what this podcast is all about. And speaking of email, I have a little tip for you that you may not be aware of. Um, when you sign up for an email account through your ISP or, or Yahoo Mail or Hotmail or whatever your your source is, they always give you a lot an allotment of space for your email to store your emails. And every email has a certain amount of uh, file size associated to that. And uh, if you get attachments, of course, those file sizes may be larger. And if you just kind of leave everything in your inbox, you may find that after a while, you may get people coming up to you and say, hey, did you get that email on that with that great joke or or a video that I found on the web I thought you'd like? Uh, th- you may find out that people are sending you stuff and you just don't get them. And this came up with um, somebody I know. I won't embarrass them. Uh, but it actually is something, once I thought a little bit more about it, I kind of thought that everybody kind of knew this. And um, and as I come to talk to some folks, um, actually two people in my circle of life had this issue where their email box filled up. And then they weren't able to receive any more messages because their quota of disk space uh, on the system had been filled up. So you need to know that um, you need to go in and uh, do a little housekeeping on your 
uh, email accounts. You you can keep stuff. There's there's a space to keep important stuff. But if you really don't want it, delete it. If it's junk mail, delete it. There's things that you get in your email that you don't need to keep, and you can't keep them forever. So from time to time, you do need to go in and clean up your inbox, clean up your, your folders, keep what you really need. Because if you run out of disk space, you may find yourself not getting any e- email for a while. So you, so you have to go in there and uh, clean things up. If you need more space, however, I've got an additional tip for you. Um, I have a Gmail account. That's an email from Google. It's a great system. They are now offering uh, 2.3 plus megabytes, so over 2, 2.3, 2.4 megabytes of, of uh, space with an email account. Now, right now, this is kind of a private system, and in order to get a Gmail account, you have to be invited. I currently have 50 invites, so if you are interested in a Gmail account and you don't have one, a lot of... Uh, techie people already have one. Um, some don't. I didn't until recently, and I hope that's no reflection on my level of techiness. Uh, but uh, if you want a Gmail account, it's a wonderful account. It's free, web-based uh, email uh, with a lot of email space. I probably have two gigabytes of space if you subscribe for the DSL service, and so until now I didn't need more space. Um, but if you if you are looking for more space to store things, and actually you can store your own files, they are really important stuff, uh, and it's all saved on their servers and available to you anywhere with a computer that has access to the internet. Uh, so if you want a Gmail account. Email me at thetechwizard at gmail.com. Thetechwizard at gmail.com is how to get a hold of me. And uh, I will be happy to send you an invite for a Gmail account. And you can play with it, experiment with it. It's completely free, and uh, you'll have a good time with that. And you'll be a less apt to run out of space uh, quickly. Because uh, some some services only give you like 100 megabytes, which sounds like a lot, but does fill up quickly with attachments and stuff like that that takes up extra room uh, in your e- email box. And everything in your e- inbox, I should say, everything in your in- inbox, everything in your in your trash folder, if you haven't emptied your trash folder, empty your trash folder. That isn't always emptied when you, when you uh, sign off the system. So... Uh, be sure to clean those things out so that you can get it get it nice and nice and clean clean and not take any extra space than you absolutely need. All right, if you have been to the the Tech Wizard uh, website, which is the TechWizard.blogspot.com, you may have noticed a little donation button. Um, currently, I'm experiencing some serious wait time or significant wait time, when I'm trying to post my files up on the web. They do take up a little bit of space, and I want to keep them there archived for anybody who who wants to download them. But the service that I'm using right now, being free, uh, it takes almost 24 hours for me to make 
a, a podcast available to you so you can download it uh, from the uh, website. Uh, so right now I do have a uh, donation button. It's a PayPal button where you can make a donation to me. Uh, so that I can raise monies for things like uh, a, a hosting service so I can put my files up on a server on, uh, right away and make them available to you faster. You can decide the amount of the donation. And I really, really appreciate uh, any donations that come in. All donations that come in will go directly back into the podcast. And um, you can decide the amount of the donation donation. We are not sponsored by anybody and we want to keep it that way. So if you want if you send me, you know, five bucks, ten bucks, whatever, it all goes directly into the podcast. Um, right now it currently costs about a hundred dollars for a um, entry level service into a uh, a web hosting ser- service. And uh, so my first goal is to get us hosted um, on a web server. And uh, so that would be the first step. Um, And so anyway, please consider making a a donation. I really appreciate it. All right, enough begging. As just a a reminder, we do have an email list for you to subscribe to so that you can find out about uh, podcasts, uh, new episodes of this podcast as they are released, and also other information like announcements from Apple about their iTunes and so forth. Considering doing a podcast on on uh, how to do the whole podcasting thing in iTunes, it really is very simple, but I may, may uh, put up a, a guide on that in my next episode. All right, we now have a little music break for you right now. Um, I went down to uh, Pier 39, just to give you a little background on this. I went down to Pier 39 last weekend and uh, with my, my uh, father-in-law, and we took him down to Pier 39, and there was this wonderful musician, uh, guitarist, who played some um, Spanish guitar with a little bit of pop flair. I really liked it. I bought a CD, and I talked to him a little bit about the podcast, and he gave me permission to put it on the podcast. So, I'm going to have a little music break here and allow you to listen to some of his stuff, and then I'll give you some information a little bit later on how to contact him so that you can buy his CDs. So, this is uh, Duarte. Enjoy.
Alright, welcome back. If you like that music, uh, the artist is Tom Duarte. You can find him at TomDuarte.com. And the song that you just heard was Gloria. Um, there's more uh, features uh, from him in future podcasts. And uh, we hope you like uh, the music. I'm going to start introducing some some tracks um, in the episodes and uh, try and help out these uh, musicians who are trying to get known and trying to sp- uh, spread their their music and um, and uh, Tom Duarte graciously al- allowed us to do that so thank you Tom and um, uh, good luck to you alright it's time now for our digital camera buyers guide this is a um, special feature where we talk about what I think is important to know when you're looking for a digital camera now uh, one of the really really big things you should be aware of is resolution now resolution refers to um, how many dots it takes to make up that picture. Um, these dots are what we call pixels. Almost all, all graphic formats are made up of little colored dots that are all put together. If you are familiar with the George Seurat, I think I'm saying that right, but I'm not French. Seurat, I think it is actually. Uh, he painted in 1884 a painting called A Sunday Afternoon in La Grande uh, Jatte, I think it is. And uh, again, if I butchered that, French speakers forgive me. Uh, I took six years of Spanish, so you'll just have to uh, give me a little slack on that. Um, But anyway, he portrayed uh, in this wonderful mural painting... A uh, picture of people uh, from uh, just pre-turn of the century uh, France who are um, sitting on the edge of a lake and uh, enjoying a Sunday afternoon uh, uh, picnicking and, uh, and visiting with, with uh, others. And, and But this painting is all made up entirely of little colored dots that are juxtaposed on top of each other uh, on top of each other creating an optical blending effect and so if you stand away from it you don't notice the dots as much if you stand right up close to it of course you can see the dots and this was one of his uh, techniques for creating uh, beautiful vibrant color um, and uh, this is the same method that computers and printers uh, use uh, because what the computer understands is ones and zeros so either either that pixel is on or it's off and uh, it also takes into consideration what color that uh, dot needs to be and so when we refer to these pixels, the more pixels in the smaller amount of space that you have, uh, the more dots per inch you you have, the better the resolution. And so when you're buying a camera, what you want to look for are, it's a term called megapixels. 
mega meaning million. Okay, so if you have a one megapixel camera, that picture is taking an image of what's in front of it through the lens and converting that to little colored dots, one million colored dots for a one megapixel camera. This is really, you hardly ever see a one megapixel camera anymore, but that's where the technology started with the digital cameras. If you are creating, if you want to print a three and a half by five or a four by six uh, image, I really suggest that you look at either a three megapixel or a four megapixel uh, camera. That's three or four millions, uh, millions of pixels uh, that it takes to create that image, uh, and and so the the more megapixels you have, the better your image quality. And of course, just like stepping up closer to that um, George Seurat uh, Sunday afternoon uh, painting, uh, where the closer you get, the more you can tell that those are actually dots. If you were to take a picture and from a, let's say, a 2 megapixel camera and you wanted to create it, you wanted to print an 8 by 10, all those dots are going to be magnified. And so you will be uh, less satisfied with the resolution if you're printing a picture that you took with a 2 megapixel camera and we're printing an 8 by 5 print. So... Uh, just as a general guide, I would suggest three megapixels if you want to create little three and a half by five or four by six prints. Those are fine for that size of print. If you want to go bigger than that, then you really need higher resolution, uh, five megapixels or more. And uh, so that's one thing that you definitely, definitely need to look at is these megapixels. Uh, there are printers that create um, not only 8x10s, but also 11x17 uh, photo printers. And uh, so the more megapixels you have, the bigger the image that you can create. Okay, so that's one thing to take a look at. The other feature I want to look at is the, the type of zoom lens. Uh, what you're going to be looking for is actually two types of, there are two types of zooming features that a camera will um, display in its specs. And that is whether it has an optical zoom or how much optical zoom it has and how much digital zoom. Now, normally we think as digital means better. And when I first started shopping for cameras, digital sounded really great. Um, what digital zoom, the only thing that digital zoom does is it makes those pix pixels bigger. That's all it does. It makes the pixels bigger. Um, an optical zoom actually will create more pixels in that image. And so the more optical zoom that you have, the better off your image is going to be, especially when printed, as I said, at higher image sizes from your printer. And we'll talk a little bit about printing a little bit later. But what you want to look for is optical zoom. I've seen quite a few cameras. I even saw... I was recently shopping for, for a digital camera, and I'll tell you a little bit about that in just a minute. 
And I was shopping through the newspaper, and I found a 5-megapixel camera. And I think it was like $200. And I'm thinking, oh, that's a great price for a 5-megapixel camera. The, the problem was the only zoom it has was digital, a 3x digital zoom. Um, that's just not going to be satisfactory. It had no optical zoom to speak of. So don't be focused on the zoom when they, and, and confused when they say, this has a 10x digital zoom. I don't care how much digital zoom it has. It's not going to be as good as the same in an optical zoom. Now, what most cameras do is they blend the optical. Once they get to the extension of the optical zoom, then it starts magnifying with digital zoom. So you, the more optical zoom you have, the better off you are in terms of image quality. That's a really, really important number. And I'll tell you a little story. Um, I decided a couple of weeks ago I was going to do this digital buyer's guide. And um, I, at the time, was not in the market for a camera. And then I went to use my camera at Pier 39 and discovered that everything coming through the viewer was blurry. The colors were greatly distorted. You could barely tell that you were pointing the camera at a person. And I, I played with all the, the controls, the options on it. Everything was, was normal. I talked to tech support about this. They said, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. Um, they told me it couldn't even be repaired. And, and I bought this camera for, for uh, $500. And it's a great camera. 5 megapixel camera. Creates beautiful 8x10s. Um, and it had uh, eight, an 8x optical zoom plus a 7x digital zoom, which actually, it, when I started, because my camera was broken and I started lo looking for new cameras, you can't, f I had a very difficult f time in a 5 megapixel range of camera finding that level of, of optical zoom. Um, now what I'm finding is that they're reserving those higher optical zooms uh, for the higher megapixel cameras. Um, and so a lot of 5 megapixel cameras, and I like the 5 because it's affordable. It gives me, uh, it's more affordable than say an 8 or 10 megapixel or 12 megapixel, which is really, I mean, then you're, you're pushing $1,000 um, for that level of, of camera, and I really didn't need that level of, of camera to produce the pictures I wanted to produce. So I went looking at these cameras in the, in the advertisements and the ones who were on sale and everything, and I just found that, that 3x optical zoom was the best that I could, the best that I could find. So I actually went out on eBay and I paid a little bit of money uh, for another camera just like I used to have. Um, it was less than half the cost and because of, of uh, time and technology changes. But I love this camera and it offered me this great optical zoom that was just not available in other other cameras. So optical zoom is very important. If, you, if you're looking at zoom, I don't care if it's 15 X zoom. If that's a fixed 15x digital zoom, 
It's not worth your consideration because, again, it's just making those dots bigger to achieve that zoom factor. And, and again, after, it, after a camera finishes through its optical zoom range, then it starts using the digital zoom. And so you want, you want as much optical zoom as you, can handle, as you can get because once you get into the digital, you're kind of cheating a little bit in terms of, I mean, you're, you're going to get less... Uh, quality. So you want to have as much optical zoom as possible so you don't depend upon the digital zoom. And I've gotten some fantastic shots of boats that were offshore down at uh, down in Monterey and, and down at Pier 39 where it really was handy to have have that level of zoom. I've got some incredible shots that a three you know three X optical zoom camera just cannot just cannot get. All right. Enough about Zoom. And a lot, a lot of the things that I'm talking about, uh, you know, after I talk a little bit about the terminologies and so forth, really, it's it's about are you comfortable with the interface, the menus on the screen, and and so forth. But I wanted to give you uh, some things to look for so you can kind of hone in your uh, your choices to something that is really going to deliver what you want to do with that camera. All right, so we talked about zoom. Another another thing that the cameras often uh, offer is the ability to go into a manual focus mode. Uh, a lot of times um, when I am, for example, in kind of the back of an auditorium and I'm trying to get, or a church, and I want to get a, uh, a picture of my daughter on stage, the automatic uh, focusing just does not capture the faces well if my daughter is standing up in a in a choir or something like that. So a manual focus has really helped to fine tune that focus exactly where I want um, that focus to be, especially when I'm zooming. I found that when you're zooming, uh, it is much more difficult to get that focus right. You really have to hold the camera steady or have it on a tripod, um, or else that that picture is going to be blurry. So it really is nice uh, to have a camera that has a manual focus mode, not just an automatic focus, where you can switch out of it, uh, out of the automatic focus and go into a, a manual focus mode. Um, and uh, so that's something to look for. When you're shopping for cameras, they're going to give you a little camera card to store your images on and, and in a minute I'll talk about how much you can you can put on those discs but the starter discs are generally speaking very very small they'll give you like a 16 meg, megapixel starter uh, card and it's just not enough you know maybe you can get like eight images or and I'll talk more specifically about that in a minute but when you're buying a camera plan on buying an extra disk that has 256 megabytes, for example, of disk space, or if you take lots of pictures, 512 megabytes or more uh, of space so that you can take lots of pictures. If you're going on a vacation, uh, you are either going to want to have uh, more disks or you're going to want to have a very large disk. And you're going to want to be able to, if you have a laptop, transfer your images to the laptop or some other device. There are other devices I'll talk about a little bit later that you can take the card out and 
and store your images directly to them. iPod actually offers that. And so if you are on a long trip, there's you got to have a way to get those images off the camera so you can clear out the disk and start over or have another disk. Those are your basic options there. Now, in terms of how much you need in terms of a, of a disk space, um, I went on to actually the Microsoft site. Uh, website Microsoft.com had a kind of a general table. I don't know if this is. I think it's in the ballpark. I don't think it's it's super accurate, but I think it's a good guesstimate because there's a lot of settings that affect how many pictures you can put on that card. And so I'll just rattle off some numbers for you to get some give you some idea of how many pictures you can put on that card. Now, the more megapixels you're using to take that picture, the more space it takes up on the disk. And even if you have a 6 or 12 megapixel camera, you can take pictures at a lower uh, pixel rate, uh, a lower resolution, uh, if you want to. Um, to kind of save save space because the more the more megapixels you have, you can imagine if you've got 12 million pictures, 12 uh, uh, pixels. If you've got 12 megapixels in each picture fi uh, file, then that's going to take up quite a lot of of space in the in on the on the card. So let me give you some examples. A typical entry-level camera is a 3-megapixel camera. If you only use the 16-megabyte uh, starter disk, for example, you're only going to get 23 images on that disk. That may be enough for you. I don't know. If you're using a 6-megapixel camera, you can only get 6 pictures on that 16-megabyte disk. Okay, if you then in, invest in a 128 megabyte disk, that's a pretty good estimate, but these vary. The, the 128 megabyte disk will hold 184 pictures off your 3 megapixel camera. So now you've gone, if, if you go from a 16 megabyte disk to a 128 megabyte disk. Now you've increased your storage space from 23 pictures to 184 pictures. And you can even store 737 pictures on a 512 megabyte disk. That's that's a lot of pictures. That really, really is a lot of pictures. So a 3 megapixel, that's why a 3 megapixel is, is often, in terms of quality, you can print up some nice 4x6s which are with a 3 megapixel camera. And um, if you get yourself a 128 or 256 megabyte uh, disk, you, you can get quite a lot of pictures on that, on that disk. But the starter disk is not going to last you very long. Not going to last you very long at all. So you're definitely going to need to buy at least one more card if you uh, uh, are taking a lot of pictures. And what I found is I take a lot more pictures, a lot more pictures now than, I, than when I was taking pictures with film because I will try something out. I'll try out a different uh, a shot or angle or lighting or whatever, a different zoom, and maybe use a flash or sometimes not a flash, and I'll try different things so I can get the best po possible picture out of that moment. 
and uh, uh, what I found is it's really nice to have that when after you take the picture you get a little instant gratification there with the image comes up on the LCD display on the back and you can instantly tell whether that image came out. Now if it's really lousy you can of course delete it immediately. That's another thing that I recommend. If it's just, if there's just no possible way that you want to keep that picture, it just was lousy or somebody bumps you or whatever, um, then Delete it right on the spot, so you don't ha even have to have to keep it from the from the get the get go. So um, that's another another thing to to consider. Um, so you can uh, use that. Now, speaking of the LCD, a lot of people use the LCD as a as a uh, viewfinder. I don't recommend this because the viewfinder uses up quite a bit of battery life. It brings down your battery life considerably. Um, if if you just got that that display on 24/7 or uh, you know every time you use the camera, you're using that as your viewer. I'll use that if I've got some strange angles and I can't be directly in front of the the camera. Um, I'll, during during the actual picture taking, um, I generally though do not use that uh, the the viewer as the, the display rather as a view, as a viewfinder to to frame my shot. I usually do it with my eye as much as possible, so that um, I can save my batteries uh, because it just wears down the batteries. There's something wrong with checking out the picture after after the fact or showing a few pictures to a friend. Um, there's nothing wrong with that, but definitely don't use the the display on the back of the camera. Uh, as a viewfinder to frame your shot unless you really, really have to. It just drains the batteries too much. All right. That leads me into a discussion about batteries. Now, a lot of cameras now are going to these AA rechargeable batteries. These are wonderful because if you're on, on a trip, you can use regular non-chargeable batteries to uh, using your camera if you run out of juice and you're on a trip and and you don't have any more batteries um, you're definitely going to want to have uh, to be able to use regular standard AA batteries some cameras don't have that they come with a proprietary uh, battery size and um, you know you can buy a couple of those and then you got to keep them charged and, there, and there, there's nothing wrong with that I just have found it a whole lot easier if you're in a jam to be able to go into any any store and buy AA batteries and put them in your camera and be able to use them. Uh, now I have a charging dock that that also I use to transfer my images from my camera to the computer, and it so I always have my my batteries charged. But if we go on an extended trip or if I take a lot of pictures. And I drain down those batteries. It's nice to be able to put just in a pinch use some extra AA batteries. I also recommend getting some extra set of rechargeables and having those charged. One thing I do not recommend is um, putting the <laughs> any batteries in your pocket 
if you've got money in your pocket, if you're like, uh, you know, we were down, tell you a story, we were down at Disneyland, and uh, I my my batteries drained, and I had to pop in another another set of batteries, and I had some batteries in me uh, with me, but I put the the drained batteries there were. I mean, there was a little bit of juice left, but they were they were almost completely gone. And I put them in my pocket, and my pocket had a quarter or some other kind of coin. I think it was a quarter in my pocket. And we're standing in line at the teacups at, uh, ride at Disneyland with my kids, and uh, all of a sudden, my my pants start heating up. Oh man, that freaked me out. If if you've got you know some kind of heat source down in that area, that's usually not good. <laughs> so I immediately those were getting they were getting hotter within seconds. They were getting they, they heated up and were getting hotter and hotter. And what happened was the uh I, I think the coin was making a an electrical contact with the two batteries and it was creating a charge. And there was this, my, my pocket was just heating up from these batteries. And so as quickly as I could, because they were getting rather warm, I was ripping these batteries out. And as we were standing in this, this line, you know, that zigzags back and forth, I just ripped these batteries out of my pocket and, and dumped them on the ground to cool off because they, one, they were hot, but also they, if I didn't get them out of there, they my I don't know what was going to happen. Uh, that was pretty scary. So I don't recommend uh, storing batteries in your pocket, especially if you have any coins or any kind of metal objects in your pocket. Not a, not a good idea. No, I just wouldn't recommend it. Uh, all right, so that's enough on on batteries. Some of these cameras proclaim that they can take videos. And I, I've done this a, a couple of times for short little videos that you may want to put on the web or something like that. It, they do okay. The audio quality is not great. Um, the image, you know, and you'll find that the that the uh, the size of the movie itself is displayed on the on the computer screen is on the small side. Don't expect to be able to blow it up to zoom into full screen mode and whatever and and and. And it just gets really ugly when you blow up. Again, all those dots get bigger and bigger. Then it gets pixelated, what we call pixelated. And all those dots start looking more like squares and and pixels and things. So don't buy a still digital camera with the expectation that you can also take some home movies on it. It, it just doesn't, doesn't work well. In a pinch, if you didn't bring the video camera, that's okay. You know, or for something, that, a short little sound clip that you're going to put on the web, that's okay. Anything else is going to take up too much space and it's not going to be satisfactory in terms of image quality or sound quality for that matter. Um, but uh, those are, that's kind of a nice extra feature, but I wouldn't shop for a camera based on that. I would not rate that feature high at all on my wish list for when looking for a still digital camera. All right. Um, I think that's all the main keys 
that I think you ought to look at when you're shopping for a digital camera. Mostly what you want to do, you definitely want to um, go into a store. You know, in our area, we have Best Buy, Circuit City, those kind of stores, and you can go in there and you can try them, hold them in your hand, you can turn them on, you can see what the menus look like. All those things are personal features that I can't possibly, uh, you know, recommend one or the other. You've noticed I've not made any recommendations or any reviews on any products in this area because it's a lot of it is personal preference but I've given you I feel some general topics and general general information so that you can be more informed as you're looking for a digital camera uh, and these are things that I looked for when I had to replace my uh, broken digital camera and had to replace it with another digital camera again when I was Planning this this segment, I was not in the market for a digital camera, but when I went to use my camera and just could not use it, all of a sudden I was thrust in into uh, the market for uh, a digital camera because I just loved that digital camera, and I learned to use it and some of the more more uh, intermediate and advanced features, and I'm still learning about it, but it's a great camera and I'm. I, I produced many, many uh, uh, great shots with it, and my wife too, for that matter. And so, I, if you're curious, the camera that I have, that that I, my personal choice is the Hewlett Packard PhotoSmart 945 camera. Um, you can't buy it anymore. I couldn't find anything like that on the Hewlett Packard site, so they must be focusing more on the lower end cameras because it's considered a higher end camera. So I had to consider all these things when I went to look for it, and I wasn't ready to go do a bigger megapixel or, or in order to get the the zoom factor that I was that I enjoyed and and uh, some of those features that I enjoyed. So I went on eBay and I bought another one. And um, I'm very happy with it. So um, all these factors had to be had to be weighed in in my decision as well yours. Um, the one other thing you may want to look at, come to think of it, is that when you are uh, some some cameras actually give you the ability to save images in other formats besides just what is known as the JPEG. Or JPEG format, which stands for Joint Photographic Expert Group. That's not really important, but that is the most common and most accepted image um, format for photos. There are others. They take up more, much more room on the camera. Um, professionals uh, tend to lead toward either the TIFF format, the tagged image file format, or the RAW format. Uh, the TIFF has some compression um, to it, but still takes up much more room than a JPEG. And I think for most general purposes, uh, for snapping pictures uh, of your family members and so forth, I don't think that you're going to see much difference between a nice JPEG and a, and a TIFF. It's only really the professionals who are carrying caring about every single pic pixel 
in that and, and for color accuracy and everything like that um, that really care about that or in, but a lot of, and a lot of professional photo pho- eh, photographers are leaning towards now the raw format so if you if you care about um, the the if you have a very high standard for your images um, you might want to look for a camera that incorporates uh, those file formats and lets you save in either a TIFF or a RAW format. Okay, I'm going to wrap up this segment and this podcast. Um, I should mention before I go that uh, my title music, my intro music and my outro music is uh, from a group called Simpatico. They are fr- you can find them on uh, safe was it safe safepodcastaudio.com um, and this the track that I'm using is a song called Bay Bridge. They're a wonderful uh, wonderful uh, group of musicians and uh, I really enjoyed them so I decided to use it my, as my theme music and they're not connected with the RIAA so I don't have to pay them any royalties but I do want to give them a good plug so if you want to find out more about Simpatico log on to www.podsafeaudio.com uh, in the next podcast among other things I'm going to f- be focusing on what to do with those pictures that you've taken with your camera and um, if you have any questions along those lines or or anything else for that matter, feel free to contact me at thetechwizard at gmail.com or go to my website, thetechwizard.blogspot.com. And I'm going to sign off here. Enjoy your day, evening, morning, whatever it is, that, whenever it is that you're listening to this podcast. Um, I wish you well, and hope you will join me again. Until then, there's a wonderful world of technology out there. Go live it. Bye-bye.